This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game, and we have got a ton of testosterone on the podcast today for cold-blooded killers to talk about Mr. Jason Webb's time on The Protégé. What's going on, Jason? Not much, David. Thanks for having me on here. Uh, I feel a little unworthy, but uh, it's exciting anyway. Hey, just rip that shirt off and expose the chest tattoo and you'll make America fall in love with you <laughs> immediately and they'll see the oh, yeah. savage that you really are. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that'll go over well, I'm sure. So listen, man, we're uh, we're talking to everybody that's in the top five that's out doing the, the production thing right now. These podcasts are not going to air until everybody knows who the top five are, which will be, you know, basically at the beginning of July or the first week of July. Uh, how the sequencing's going right now. Talk a little bit about what your initial thought was when you heard that we were going to be doing the protege. Well, uh, the timing was perfect. You know, I've been wanting to get into middle market um, for quite some time now. And I don't know, you know, life happens, excuses happen. And I just kept putting it off and things kept coming up. And so when I seen the mention of the protege, I'm like, well, this is this sounds exactly what I should do. And uh, it uh, helped me motivate myself to get off my butt and actually start executing some things. And uh, even if I don't win it, uh, I'm sure I'll learn a lot through the process. And uh, yeah, I threw my name in the hat and here I am. Cool. So you were a relatively early pick. You were in the top 50% pick of the draft. You know, we, we recorded that and put that out early unedited so that people could see some of it, but Bradley or Josh, what, you know, what were you guys thinking? Why web? I'll let Josh take that. <laughs> well, I know you guys had notes, right? I mean, I saw him. You, Josh was reading something off of the screen during the draft, so you guys were profiling people. Well, we were we were we were definitely texting each other during the middle of the draft and and trying to decide who who we're going to pick. But I mean, I, I felt like 
Jason was was going to be a, a really well-rounded uh, person to have on our team, and I felt like he had a genuine uh, desire to do this. Um, and so, I mean, for those reasons, I wanted to, to pick him because I felt like he was hungry, he was humble, and he was smart. And I think he's proven all those things to me uh, through the process. And uh, I'm, I'm super happy that we picked him. He also had a level of confidence in his uh, video where he entered. And that was one thing that I recall Josh and I speaking about because we, we had a phone call or several phone calls beforehand. And I think a big part of success in the middle market is having that confidence to swing the bat. And I felt like that's just as important, if anything, in a contest like this. Yeah, I would say confidence without cockiness is huge. I mean, people in the middle market will buy from somebody who's confident. If you're cocky, they're not going to give you the time of day. In fact, they'll take great pleasure in cutting you off at the knees. And it's something – and it's funny, man, because, Bradley, you know this um, just from me and you and Scott going back and forth this week when he's like – holy cow, that's a whole different side of David. I've never seen that before. Well, you know, client-facing David is a whole different animal than killing commercial David. You know, I present differently to agents to get them amped up than I do when I'm at the point of sales. So understanding that delicate balance is huge. So the challenges rolled out, Jason, and, you know, you got the first one, which I dumped on you guys a lot right at the beginning, and I did it intentionally because I wanted it to be the foundation for everything else that was going to happen, number one. But number two, I also wanted to see who was going to quit. And I knew that if I gave the most work early that it would tell me that people weren't going to trust the process and they were going to quit. And so I actually proved myself right because that happened. And so I think, I think what happens is people look at it as, you know, when you build, I look at it like building the pyramid, right? The widest part of the pyramid is the first stones that they laid. It's the, it's the foundation that everything else is built on. And if that's not built right, then none of the rest of it's going to stand. But it wasn't nearly, you know, it's not nearly as hard to do the challenges at the end or actually probably required more thought and intentional thought when you were doing things like creating the elevator, you know, elevator pitch and in your call scripts and those things because that stuff, when you really have to narrow it down to one tiny thing can be difficult to do. But what was your what were your thoughts on the how we opened it up because that was a lot of work to do for the first challenge and i think that the people who were sort of only had half half of the commitment that they needed to be part of this looked at that and like oh gosh if this is the first challenge then the rest of them are going to be even worse and i don't think that was the case i think they got easier yeah, well yeah yeah i don't know i don't remember to be honest the first challenge is being all that difficult for some reason i had a, a hard time with this whole branding challenge and the way you presented it i remember was yeah it should be quick and easy you know <laughs> take it easy this weekend here's an easy challenge and man for whatever reason that was the hardest one for me i mean i, I didn't know exactly what that meant and i'm watching youtube videos on branding and what is what does this mean exactly but uh I mean, like the first the first few challenges, I, I felt like I've done those things before. So I don't know. They, they weren't all that difficult for me. That branding one, though, uh, that, that, was, that was new. 
I think it takes you from the analytical to the creative, right? So the first ones were about business planning, SWOT analysis, and everything like that. And if you're an analytical person, then you could blow through that. I could, I fortunately, I'm a little bit of both, so I can navigate those waters fairly easily. But I, I do understand that. So what you know, how do you feel you ended up with branding since that was the one that seemed to to hit you the most? I mean, I I would argue that you've got a, a good branding guy as a coach here with Mr. Flowers. Yeah. Um, I, well, I assume I did okay. You know, we would, uh, the coaches and, uh, our team would meet periodically. I don't know if we just discussed the branding challenge, um, during a, a conversation and I didn't take it upon myself to reach out to my coaches like I should have. Um, and I, I didn't know what was expected of me as far as that piece is concerned, but, um, um, I mean the reaching out to the coaches part. But the branding, I, I'm still here, so <laughs> I got to assume that it went okay, you know? What would you guys have for feedback, Josh and Bradley? There there was one challenge uh, that Jason did where you, you had like the the, bat, the little bag that you were going to send out to, to different people, and it was – I can't remember exactly what the punchline was. What was the punchline of that? Uh, uh, yeah. So um, what I'm my, my, what I'm offering is a COVID compliance review or a pandemic compliance review for yeah. businesses. So there's like a, you know, COVID that made me think medical. Medical equals prescription pad. So I made that prescription pad marketing slick and to get noticed even more slid it into a biohazard bag to give to the person that I'm asking for, but that happens to not be there. Yeah. I mean, I, th I thought that was a, a, like a really creative idea. And I, I was, I, I took that back to my own office and I said, I might, I might take this and, and, and use, and use this around town because this is, this is pretty good. Uh, how, so how did you get that idea? I, I, I was curious where that came from. Uh, uh, I don't know. From it just popped uh, in the old my creative mind, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, so my David question forced is... you to be creative with the branding piece, and that's what it what it, it, it birthed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a medical background. I used to be a chiropractor, and uh, so that whole COVID compliance equals medical. Maybe that comes a little bit from my background, and I was a medic in the army, um, so. Maybe that had something to do with it. I'd be interested to know how many people freak when they see a biohazard bag and whether or not they even open it. I'm assuming, and I've not, I've not seen the entire final product yet, but I'm assuming that you have the, the logo, your logo on the outside or something so that it's not just biohazard or does it look like a legit biohazard no, it's bag? It's a straight up biohazard bag off of Amazon. And, nice. Uh, <laughs> But if might want to might want to staple that business card to the outside or something <laughs> to make sure people aren't just immediately dumping it in the trash. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's interesting, though. I mean, so that would be your biggest challenge. What would you say your favorite part of the experience has been so far? Um, you know, probably the conversations with the coaches. I mean, uh, during our zoom meetings a, a few things would come up during those conversations and i remember one in particular that josh brought up um you know when he talks to a new prospect i believe there's like three 
He's got to get three yeses out of a prospect before moving on to the next step. And, uh, you know, Bradley and I developed a relationship through this. And uh, he's helping me out with some podcast stuff. And uh, so mainly the connections, I guess, and uh, getting to know the coaches a little better and what they have to offer. So I have two questions coming out of that. Gurley, what are the three yeses you have to get? Because everybody's on the edge of their seat at this point. You know, when the silent killer drops nuggets of wisdom, everybody wants to listen. And it's funny because I say that, but that's 100% consistent because I do remember um, when you were on our podcast, I actually called you E.F. Hutton at one point. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, I can't take credit for this. I mean, I, I learned this a long time ago. One of the first things I, I did when I got in the business is I went and I went and uh, took a seminar from Scott Addison. He talked about red light, green light, and you got to have access to information. You have to have access to people. You have to know who else is going to work on the deal. And then fourth and most importantly, you have to know who, you have to know if they're willing to fire their current representation. And uh, I just learned early on that in order for me to get hired, somebody else has to get fired. And then we just grade the responses, uh, red, yellow, and green. And a red light is stop the press. We're going to move on from this one. And so uh, we just have a little little system that we do. If we get some yellow lights, we proceed with caution. Um, but it served me well as I've as I've been in the business. So hopefully it helps you and anybody else that's listening. Well, I'll tell you, Scott Addis is certainly the godfather and somebody that I know well and has definitely had his fingerprints all over my career as well. So that, that's sage advice from Scott. Um, it, it's interesting to me. I mean, talk a little bit, Josh. When when do you introduce the whole you got to fire somebody for me to get hired? Is that a first appointment thing? I mean, I know how I do it, and I'll be happy to share that, but I'm interested in, in how you position and posture that. Yeah, I mean, I really think it just depends on how the first appointment goes. I mean, I, I usually try to ask for 20 or 30 minutes. I get to the end of the appointment and say, hey, I want to be respectful of your time. I have some more time if you want to keep talking. Um, and then if they say yes and, and we keep going, I'll usually just bring up, hey, look, I, I'd like to be able to tell you the next steps that we're going to go down. We, we have a process. It's, it's pretty simple that we're going to go through. But before we do that and and really dig down deep into everything, there's just a few things that I got to know. And I tell them straight up, I'm, I'm qualifying you now to see if you're a good fit for my company. I mean, I don't try to sugarcoat it. I don't try to make it something where I'm sliding it in and be, trying to be a slick salesman. I literally say, I'm going to ask you four questions and I just need to know the answers to those questions. And the last one is the most important. And, and hopefully, if you know the producer's name, you can call the producer's name. I mean, if it was an account that, you know, Tom Smith uh, controlled, you could say, in the, in the last question, I know you've been dealing with Tom for a long time, but in order for me to get hired, uh, Tom has got to get fired. And my job is to make it abundantly clear to you that it's time for Tom to get fired and for me to get hired. And so I just need to know that that you're willing to do that and i don't tie it to like hey i'm going to save you a nickel or anything like that no it's you just, can't it's, it's just really tied around to through our relationship through our process it's going to become abundantly clear if this is going to happen or not and i can tell you that and this is probably true for you too david that there are very few proposals insurance proposals that i have been to 
that I didn't know what was going to happen when I walked in. And most of the time, I, I explained it like my wife. I knew, I mean, I hoped, but I, I knew that my wife was going to marry me uh, when I asked her. I knew what was going to happen. And the same thing's true. I mean, I think that's why another one of the things that I told the guys was about, hey, it's realistic for you to have an 85 or 90% close ratio on the middle market accounts you work on. I mean, that, that is not, that's not pie in the sky. There are people out there that are, that are doing that every single day. But you have to be willing to, to, uh, to ask a lot of tough questions of people to be able to get to that point. And uh, so that's really what it's about is just kind of getting to that, that real question and objection that people have. Yeah, and have the backbone to actually ask them. I think it's. I think you bring up a good point by mentioning the other other person's name, the existing representation, because it personifies it. And that's the one thing that makes it difficult for people to fire somebody is when they start realizing this is another human with a family that's going to have bills they have to pay, and I'm going to take money away from them. But by setting the table and saying, I'm going to make it abundantly clear, you don't have to say you're going to save them money. You don't have to say you're going to get them better coverage. You don't have to tell them you're going to give them you know, learning management system or access to think HR or any of that stuff. You simply just lay it out there and they come to their own conclusion of what that looks like. And then they realize, okay, he just made this personal and tied it to this person. I agree with you a hundred percent. I would say if I had to tie a percentage to it, probably 80, 85% of the time, that's how I close my first meeting with somebody. Um, you know, to remind anybody listening to this that maybe hasn't heard power producers before that's come in uh, to just listen as part of the protege, you know, I never sell based on the insurance product. It, it just doesn't happen. You hire me or you don't, and it's based off of the value proposition that we have and the risk management um, support that we're able to give you. And so it's really uh, not about price at all most of the time I mean, or ever for us, but it's never the insurance proposal. And it's weird because inside Killing Commercial, they were asking me for a copy of my insurance proposal. <laughs> I said half the time my insurance proposal is on a legal pad or an email. You know, here's what your renewal is going to look like because what we do is go propose around the experience mod and, and top loss drivers and all of the things we're going to do from that standpoint. But I do say without fail every single time when we go in for that first meeting, which is fact finding, um, here's what I need from you. I need your loss runs. I need your experience mod worksheet. If we're taking the comp angle and I want to let you know that I'm going to come back and I'm going to present my work product to you. And when I do, I'm going to ask you to hire me and fire your existing agent because I shouldn't be the one coming in to give this to you and not be compensated for it. You should have had this for all of the years in the past. And if you did, probably wouldn't be in the position that you're in right now. If I can't do anything to make your company any better, I'm not even going to waste your time and ask you for another meeting. But if we have another meeting, I want you to understand I'm going to expect you to make a decision. Which one yeah. of those four questions, Josh, would you say that people get hung up on the most? Um, I would say that access to information is one. Uh, people are not that interested in telling you how much they're paying. They're not really interested in, in uh, handing over full, complete copies of insurance policy. Sometimes they don't want you to see their experience mod. I mean, there's. I think there's a lot of that kind of stuff that they, they do not want you to have access to. And and uh, and so that, that can be a struggle sometimes, for sure. How do you explain yeah, but to that? Me, to that's the, a, yeah, that's sorry. a huge red flag, right? To me, yeah. because oh, if you're yeah. not going to give me information now, you're not going to give me information later. And oh yeah, that's a hard stop for me. 
I mean, that's the information one. I mean, the I, I just think that like you have to overcome that whole, hey, I want you to give me an apples to apples comparison and, and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that that's one of those things where I think as a as a producer, agency owner, whatever you want to call yourself, you have to have enough self-respect to say, look, I'm not a commodity. Maybe you can buy insurance a lot of different places, but I, you know what I what I do is not is not a commodity, and I, I don't think that you would you would ask a, a a CPA or you would ask an attorney for a apples to apples comparison of 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 whatever service they're providing for you. No, I, I can tell you how I do it. I just lay it out and say, look, there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears behind the six letters that are behind my name, and I didn't copy anybody's homework to earn those, and I'm not going to copy anybody's homework to earn your business, but I do need you to understand that there's some very uh, important demographic information about your account that I can glean from going through your insurance policies and making sure that I understand the scope of how things are covered now so that I can show you the difference between what I'm recommending and what you may currently have. And I, I just think that people don't understand because again, this goes back to something I talk about all the time. You know, we get upset because people don't share information with us or because they think they need to black out premiums or they don't want to give you access to policies. But these clients and prospects have been conditioned by the insurance industry. We're the ones who taught them to act that way. There's a reason why they black out premiums and everything else. And it's because people are running around and, you know, just wanting to bid, 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 bid. And when you explain to somebody total cost of risk and all of the other things that go into the risk management function of their business and the dollars attached to it, which is what we're doing, by the way, at the point of sale before we close the deal, we don't have the issue with getting information because we've already demonstrated just through what we've been able to talk about with having nothing that we're a better option for them than what they have right now. So, um, you know, if you get into the insurance bidding game or can I get your deck pages or can I quote your insurance or whatever else, if they if you get anything, um, you know, partial information or blacked out premiums or whatever else, you have nobody to blame but yourself because you didn't set the table right. Yeah. Well, the way you've explained it too is is you know I understand you're doing that because you think that this is a car salesman game and I'm going to make your premium ten dollars less than what you're paying now. When the fact of the matter is, by blacking out the premium or withholding this information, you're taking my negotiating power with the underwriter away. And what's going to happen is she or he is not going to work as hard on the account because we're batting blind and you're effectively accomplishing the opposite of what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, it's funny, you know, it, it, when you get into these conversations with prospects and clients, sometimes if you catch them off guard by saying something they never expected to hear from you too, really sort of puts them on their heels and gives you an advantage. I had a guy in Killing Commercial that uh, reached out to me because he was going in to a car dealership, $150 million a year car dealership, and the guy wouldn't buy DNO, EPLI, and fiduciary. <laughs> And he's got a car dealership with a massive third party exposure. And I told him, I, he said, I, I just need the angle. I know that if I have a good angle, I can get, I, I think I can, I've got the product and everything. And I said, 
when's the meeting? And he said, today. I said, when you go to that meeting, I want you to walk the lot and find the shadiest car salesman that he has. I want the guy in the purple sport coat in the, <laughs> you know, the, the dress shirt and tie combo that's in the front of Sears when you walk in that nobody wears in the insurance industry. And I want you to go into the conference room. And when the time comes, I want you to point at that guy and ask the decision maker, do you trust that guy with your kids? Would you let him watch your kids for the night? So you're in your, you and your wife can go out. And if his answer is no, then you need to ask him why you trust him or why he trusts them uh, with his clients, because it's the same thing. If you wouldn't trust him with your kids, why are you having an uninsured exposure where this guy could sexually harass a, a female client coming in or any number of other things? And it worked. Well, that's like the, the restaurant that you and I worked on a while back, David, you may not remember this, but the guy didn't want to buy EPLI. And his reasoning was, is given the nature of their business, they almost never have EPLI exposure. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, there's literally no higher industry in the world for EPLI than restaurants. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I wrote one. Yeah, I, I could go for days. So Jason, listen, man, you said that one of the things that you took out of this was a podcast. And you know, one of the things that was my goal when this idea came to my mind was not to waste anybody's time. Not, not, not just mine, not just the coaches, but the people that were participating too, because if they were willing to put themselves out there, I wanted them to be able to take something from this that they could use for the rest of their career. Whether they win the competition or not, I wanted them to have things that they could do every day that they learned because they participated. I'm happy to hear that you have a podcast. There's a lot of people listening to this. Tell them a little bit about your podcast and what you're doing with it and where they can find it. Uh, yeah, it's called Minnesota Made. The website is minnesotamadepodcast.com. And uh, Bradley's an expert in this stuff, so he's helping me put things together for it and uh, getting it um, published on all the iHeartRadios and Apples so it can be found anywhere. Uh, we're still waiting on approval through Apple to get it on there. They seem to be the longest. But uh, with the, you know the name Minnesota Made, it's focusing on highlighting or interviews with uh, local business leaders in the community or anybody in Minnesota, um, athletes, uh, anybody that's done something significant uh, that people want to hear about it. And I give them the chance to tell their story. I did uh, two podcasts yesterday, actually, and uh, one was a recycling company and another one was a current client and uh yeah i mean once you get somebody talking about where they came from what it took to work get where they're at now uh some of the war stories uh some of their successes you know i take them from the past to the present and then talk a little bit about their future um it's it's uh it's just like having a conversation with somebody and it's you know, it's enjoyable. I'm liking it. Uh, I have, I think, three scheduled this week, three last week, four scheduled next week. And, uh, yeah, I see this uh, helping out, uh, getting connected in the community, you know, increasing my book of business. And, um, and it's something I enjoy. If I don't enjoy doing something, man, I have a hard time forcing myself to do it, you know? It's uh, when I first opened the agency, when I was starving, uh, bleeding money, I was willing to do anything. And, but not, I don't know. I, it's like I've gotten a little comfortable, a little lazy. So I've gotten a little more picky on what, I, what it is I'm willing to do. You know what I mean? 
And uh, the podcast thing is something I enjoy. Well, I'll tell you, man, one of the things that helped me made it really honestly very easy to determine who was in the top five and who wasn't really boiled down to social presence and the people that were actively sharing things on social and building their personal brand. And, you know, just in full transparency, man, you, you lit it up at the end. Like it was obvious that in like the last three or four weeks, there was a much more concerted effort. I don't know if that surrounds when you started working with Bradley or not, but I just remember saying, eh, I'm kind of on the fence where I'm at right now. Jason's work product's good, but I, I need people that are going to be able to promote the show and get their brand out. And that's part of being a five tool player in this day and age. Anyhow, is content creation and getting yourself out there and i don't know what the heck i did man you know to, to um, what kind of digital witchcraft i performed on my linkedin account but i can't get you out of my feed now so just through that thought process alone but it's obvious and i actually did message i think i messaged bradley last week and i'm like dude what's going on man like i'm scrolled through my linkedin account there's like two or three of your people that you're working with on their social and it's dominating my feed at this point so kudos to you for that man i think one of the things you know one of the things that that people are afraid to do is invest in making themselves better by bringing in people to their circle that are better than they are at things. And I, you know, I don't know that any of us will ever get to the level where we don't have those people. And if we do, then our books are, are at risk at that point, because I don't think anybody ever fully reaches their potential. If you know, I think you may reach your goals and that means you just need to make bigger goals, but I don't know that anybody can ever just say, you know what? I have completely reached my potential because I think if your mind is in the right place, you're always going to want more if you're a successful producer. Yeah, I agree. You're always looking to take it to the next level. And, uh, and yeah, so in Bradley, yeah, he's been a ton of help with that whole social LinkedIn thing. Um, I don't know if he's doing it or if he's got some, uh, some experts behind the scenes doing that, but whatever they're doing, they're doing a great job for me. Well, listen, man, we've been going about 30 minutes. I want to be respectful of everybody's time and wrap this thing up. I know Josh has a big renewal. Bradley is going to have to deal with me here again in another hour or so because we've got a different call scheduled. Hey, but I'm I going to, to the thank dentist you. after that, though, so I'm looking forward to you. <laughs> Well, listen, Jason, I wanted to sincerely thank you for taking a chance and participating in this. The comp competition would not be the same if you didn't. And the same goes for the coaches. But to have people come in and understand that this wasn't a game, and it's funny because Derek Hayden, man, I got to tell you, that's your top competition. I think that's everybody's top competition is Hayden. And right now you can control that, right? So as we're sitting here recording this, Derek does not have an advantage over you because now the top three get picked by the numbers that they produce. So if he can go out and produce, great. And if he doesn't, he doesn't make the top three. So all the social and everything goes away. But I'll tell you, he's he's been who I have watched from the very, very beginning of this, thinking this guy has literally the total package. And I don't say that to, to create bigger competition or anything. I say it because he made a LinkedIn post yesterday. And Derek, Derek actually kind of reminds me of like a cross-pollination of me and Josh because I'm a little bit more outgoing than what Josh is, or probably a little bit more flamboyant at the point of sale. And Josh is more quiet and reserved. And just, you know, when he says something, like I said, it's like EF Hutton, everybody listens and it means something when you hear it come from Josh. 
But Derek Derek posted a LinkedIn post yesterday that said, "If the, you thought if you thought this was some homemade YouTube video, you would have been wrong, or something along those lines." And he's one hundred percent right, man. So I appreciate you guys all participating. You made my job really, really easy in doing this, and I look forward to sharing what I've gotten to learn about everybody with everybody in the country. Because I do feel like that if people follow the show and take it seriously, even though they didn't participate when they see the things everybody has gone through it's going to make them better too and it already has to some yeah i agree with you and i appreciate the opportunity of participating and all the help i've gotten from the coaches it's been a great experience well you got friends for life now brother i appreciate you for coming on everybody have a good day and we will catch you later You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.